Amen. Okay, I'm going to do a series of preachers, and the series is called New is New. New is New. And uh, we're going to unpack that a little bit. And uh, new things are exciting. Through lockdown, we treated ourselves to a new gas barbecue. Hands up if you're in the gas barbecue gang. Yes, there's a few of us. Yes, yes, yes. We don't want to fight with these coals anymore. These coals that take 10 years to light, the guests have arrived, you go, be ready in a minute, two hours later, you can barely cook one sausage. But we've got the gas barbecue, we've gone all in with the gas barbecue, and this gas barbecue is absolutely brilliant, because, because you're, sorry, the, the South Africans are waving at me going, you just don't know what you're doing, there, there you go. <laughs> you need a South African barbecue if you want a real barbecue, but you can come to my pretend gas barbecue if you want. Um, and it's got these little trays at the top. And who knows, the worst thing about barbecues is cleaning it afterwards. And these trays, they just come off, you tip the fat off, and you put them in the dishwasher. It's the best thing ever. They've got this little tray underneath which collects all the fat that drips off the burgers and the sausages. Sorry, I hope I'm really not offending any vegans in the room. Sorry about that. But then it collects all the drippings, and you tip them into a bucket, and you put them in the dishwasher. It's the best thing ever. Who knows, that's a great idea for barbecue number one. Barbecue number two and barbecue number three. Barbecue number four, who knows it's still dirty. Because you treat it as new for a little while and then it becomes the norm and you just treat it like old again, don't you? But I want to say and declare over you as an individual, you've been through some stuff. In this lockdown, you've learned things about you that you wouldn't have done had you not gone through it. You've learned stuff about what you value. You've learned stuff about your own faith. You've learned stuff about who you value. You've learned what's important to you. You've probably spent a lot of time on your own. You've learned stuff. So you're coming out. You're not the same. You're new. And I want to encourage you, don't treat yourself like the old. Treat yourself like the new. And don't do it for a few weeks or a few months. Change forever. Treat yourself with respect. You're an awesome person. You don't have to be me. You have to be you. You've been through some different things to me. But today's a new day. And so can we choose as a church that we're going to look at each other differently, respect each other differently, cheer each other on differently, and never go back to taking it for granted because this is new and it's going to stay new. And I'm going to go home and clean my barbecue when I get there. He's not. Josh has just said he's not. He's not. Who lets the sun sit on the front row? As a church, this is new. Through this season, we've learned new stuff. We've learned how to go online. You know, I've, I've probably talked online a lot about our production team. Well, um, there's Billy at the back recording me as we speak. Everyone give Billy a wave because she's awesome. Yes. Nathan. Nathan's at the back. Stand up and wave, Nathan. Sam at the back. Stand up and give us a wave. Oh, Sam's going to hide behind the screen. Our worship team. How awesome is our worship team? What talent we've got. I never want to take that for granted. When Io, Alice, Matt, Sarah, when they open their voices, it's just like God's in the room. If I was the lead worshipper, I know how to clear the room. But let's never take it for granted. But we've learnt new stuff. We've got it out. There are people all over the world watching our church. And it's not that we just want to, you know, I hope they find the church they can attend and that would be great. But do you know what? For the time being, we're taking Jesus into people's houses. We've learnt new stuff. And I feel like God's going to put a little heart in us to shift our focus a little bit in this new season. Because it's new. And we're not going to go back. We're going to have new opportunities with new understanding. There's new people in the room. We've just given chocolate to them. This is good. And there are many more to come. I know that. This is new. But all things in our faith stem from the same foundation. 
There are new moves of God. There are new seasons. There's new revelation. But it all stems from the same foundation. And that foundation is Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's not going to change. There are new things we experience, but Jesus is the same. You know, my, one of my favorite passages is the most famous scripture ever. John 3, 16 and 17, it says this. Let's never get familiar with what these things say. Oh, I know this verse, Barry. You've said this verse a million times. Never get over familiar with it. Because when you read it in a new season, there's a new light on it and you get a new revelation, even though you're reading the same words. You're a new person. What could this verse mean for you as a new person? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this is the bit everyone always forgets. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. It really frustrates me as a lead pastor when you talk to people who aren't in church that they feel like God's up in heaven wagging his finger and telling us how bad we are. But it says that he didn't come to condemn us and tell us how bad we are. He came to save us. And that word save isn't a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. You see, God knows what you've gone through. And he wants to save you from it. God knows what's coming. And he wants to save you from it. God knows what's in your heart. And he wants to save you from it. He wants to position you to have an outrageously good life. It's always been his heart for you. And yet so many people look at the church and look at faith and look at it and go, oh, oh I don't know, God's just, just wagging his finger. That's just not what it says. He loves you. Jesus came down, looked at you and said, you, you, you're brilliant, you are. You're absolutely brilliant. And I'm going to stand with you. If you will let me, I'm going to stand with you. And together, we will go to new heights. Together, we will take new ground. Together, we'll have an adventure. I'm not going to force myself on you because I love you. And love doesn't force itself on you. But I'm here. And my door is open. And if you'll just say yes, we're going to go and have an outrageous life together. It's always been his heart because he loves you. So the title of today's message is Into the Neighborhood. Into the Neighborhood. Jesus stepped down from his domain in heaven into our domain on earth. And just think about that for a second. We just take that for granted. Heaven is perfection. There's no tears in heaven, no sickness in heaven, no hatred in heaven, no lack in heaven. And Jesus looked down at our earth, which is quite messy, if we're honest, and says, I'm going there. I don't know if I'd do that for you guys. In fact, I do know. I wouldn't do that for you guys. But he did. He says, I'm looking, you're brilliant. You're amazing. You, you're just so worth it. He had that L'Oreal moment. You're worth it. And he stepped down from his domain and came into our neighborhood. And he did it with purpose. And his purpose was to set you free from the things that are ruining your life. He came to save us from it. Not to wag his finger, but to take us on a journey where there's hope in our hearts. And everyone wants that. We carry the best message on the planet. And we need to be bold enough to start getting it out there. Give me a wave of some boldness in your spirit today. Come on, we need to be telling people this great news. So Jesus comes into our world and, and there's so many different places I could take you. And I know these are the things I've said before, but I want to keep saying to you, newness. Here's same stories with a new heart. And here's a picture I want you to take out of all of this. This is the picture I feel like God gave me. The picture of a person's hand. And do you know when someone gets their hand into the dirt? Picture a mechanic 
picture a farmer. Is anyone watching the Jeremy Clarkson farm show? Oh, you've got to watch that. I'll highlight it to you now. Is that on Prime? On Prime, aside from the preacher. On Prime, Jeremy Clarkson's farm is absolutely brilliant. You'll love it. Even if you don't like him, and you may not, it's still really, really good. But picture this hand with the creases in it, and it's got dirty. It's got into, into the mud of the farm, or it's got into the grease of the mechanics. And then even when you wash your hands, you get it into the, into the creases, don't you? Picture that. Because that's my Jesus. See, he stepped down into the grime of my life. He stepped down into the grime of your life and said, you're worth it. I'm getting stuck in. Because I'm not a distant God. I'm right in the thick of it with you. And I'm prepared to get my hands dirty with your dirt to help you get out and beyond it. And so there's this picture. You see, he stepped into the world or the neighborhood of the guy who was lame sitting at the pool of Bethesda. And you may well know the story that the, they sat by this pool and every year the pool would, would swirl up and whoever got into the pool first received their healing. But there was all these lame people there and only one could get in first. And this guy had been sat there for decades struggling. And Jesus steps into his neighborhood and he goes up to him and looks him in the eye. And this is my Jesus. He says, what can I do for you? See, he doesn't force the issue. He doesn't go steaming in. What can I do for you? And he gives him all the reasons why he can't get up. And Jesus doesn't listen to the reasons. He just says, get up. And he looks Jesus in the eye. And he stands up. And he bends down and he picks up his mat, the thing that's been carrying him. And he picks up the thing that's been carrying him and he carries it and he walks forward. And I want to declare that over someone today. There's something that's been carrying you and holding you for so long. But if you'd look in the eyes of Jesus, he's prepared to step into your grime, get his hands dirty and say, come on, pick it up now. You know, you've been rejected. Someone hurt you deeply and you've just been laying there and wallowing it. You feel like you're never going to be the same because I'm so hurt and rejected. And Jesus is saying, come on, get up. I'm going to take that rejection. I'm going to take that hurt. I'm not going to sit on it anymore. I'm going to carry it. And I'm going to walk it forward. I'm going to master it when it's been mastering me. And this is my Jesus stepping into someone's world. Imagine all the other lame guys who watched what happened. Jesus is declaring to them, you don't need the pool. You need me. Get your eyes off what you think you need and get your eyes onto what you actually need. How many of us who have difficulties in life seek answers everywhere else but where we should seek is Jesus? And when we look at Jesus, suddenly we can master the thing that's been holding us and we can walk forward. And why can we do that? Because Jesus is prepared to step into your neighborhood and get his hands dirty with the things that have been riling you up for so long. I believe there's people in this, in this room right now that have had things for years that you've never dealt with. And yet here's my Jesus saying, what can I do for you? I'm prepared to get into the mix of your grime to help you forward because you're brilliant. And that's why I came. You know, he stepped into the world of the children. There's a famous passage where Jesus is sitting and teaching and the children come up and they, they want to run to Jesus. And all the, all the adults are like, no, keep them away, keep them away. And Jesus say, whoa, 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 I came for these. These are important. Bring them to me. And this is what I love about Jesus. He's prepared to get his hands dirty with the children. Give me a hand raised if you're a parent today. Now put your hand down if you think being a parent isn't hard work. There you go. You can put your hands down now. Parenting's flipping hard. Imagine bringing him up. <laughs> oh, my dad, my dad stitched me up there. Did you see that? I love my dad. 
got a story about dad later, don't worry. <laughs> what, these, what you all need to remember is I've got the mic. He says, let them come to me. Why? Because he's prepared to get his hands dirty. Children are hard work, but they shouldn't be seen and not heard. They should be heard. He wanted to embrace them. That's the heart of my Jesus. There is no barriers. Come to me. He wants you. There's this really famous story where Jesus goes to meet a woman at a well. And the story, the back story is this woman at the well has been married five times and she's living with a guy she's not married to. And the, the community don't like her for all the obvious reasons. You might feel the same. So she has to go and get water in the heat of the day because she's the only one who's going to go there at that time. She's on her own. Jesus sees her. What does Jesus do? Oh, I'm not going there. Oh, married five times? What a disgrace. No, 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 no. Jesus goes up and gets his hands dirty and says, I'm prepared to step into your neighborhood. And you've got to understand what that would look like for everyone else. Because if she had attracted that many guys, I'm sure she was a, 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 an exotic kind of lady, someone who would appeal to the men. She didn't have trouble finding a man. So there was something about her. And so for a religious leader to step in there, there would have been judgment. But Jesus says, I don't care about your judgment. I care about her. She is brilliant. And I'm prepared to get dirty with her stuff because she's worth it. You see, that's my Jesus. The knock-on effect of that story is that this woman goes back and she's so bold that even the people that were shunning her, she went up to them, you've got to meet this guy. How many of us could have an encounter where Jesus cleans us up so much that we go out there and say, you've got to meet this guy. You've got to know my Jesus. He's changed my life. It's not just a thing up in the cloud or some religious thing on a text. He's real, he's alive and he's living in me. He's changing lives today. I love it. He washed the disciples' feet. And this is in a time where they're wearing sandals. Hot, stinky men who've walked around in 90-degree heat in a dusty world. Jesus gets down and washes their feet. He literally gets their muck in the creases of his hands. He's demonstrating something. There's no holds barred with me. I'll do whatever it takes to clean you up. I'm prepared to get my hands dirty with your dirt, to clean you up and set you in a place where you can be free to live the life you've always dreamed of. I wonder how many of us have got a dream in our heart and a vision in our mind to say, that's where I want to go, but we're not getting there. And the reason we're not getting there is because we're still sat on that mat that's been holding us all this time. And here's Jesus saying, I'm here. I want to free you from that mat so you can go and live that dream that's always been in your heart. Come on, someone got a dream in their heart? Well, today's your new day. If you'll say yes, today is your new day. I just want to make a bit of a side note. Because Jesus didn't come to sympathize. You know, we can all go to anywhere and go, oh, there, there, it's so sad. It doesn't change a thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't be sympathetic. But he came to influence. He came to change. He came to heal. He came to make things better that were bad. He didn't just come to sympathize. But there was a bunch of religious people out there. And here in Matthew 23 and verse 27, he's, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. It's a great picture. You see, there's these religious people who just think they're better than everyone else. Well, we don't do wrong things. We speak well and we live well. And we listen. But they're, they're, they're treating the very people that Jesus come for like they're lesser. We're better than you. 
And Jesus looked at them and said, woe to you. You are totally missing the point. You look great on the outside, but you haven't got the heart of me. On the inside, you're like dead bones. It's disgusting. What is the matter with you? Jesus didn't want religion. He doesn't want you to be religious. He wants you to have a relationship with him so you're changed on the inside and can love some people. It doesn't matter what people think of me or you. We're not better than anyone else. We just want to love like Jesus. Could today be a day where we pray, Lord, make my heart like yours. Let me see people how you see people. Let me treat people how you treat people. Could today be the day where you say, I'm prepared to get my hands dirty with someone else's mess. Because that actually reflects Jesus. I, know, I remember a time in my life when Jesus stepped into my neighborhood. And again, you'll have, many of you will have heard this story, but before I met my epic wife, I was engaged once before. Clearly she wasn't as good. But I was 18 and I met this girl. And we went out for six years, so I was now 24. And I don't know if you've ever written a life plan, but my life plan was by 24 I'd be married. And I was on schedule. I met this girl at 18. We were engaged to be married. We'd bought a house together. We'd planned a, a marriage. We'd sent out invites everywhere. I was on schedule. I was like, yes, Jesus, I'm bang on. 24, exactly what I hoped for. Then mum and dad came to me. And they just said, one simple question, are you sure? And the truth of the matter is, and anyone who's single, hear this. The truth of the matter is, I liked what was going on, but deep down in my deepness of deepnesses, I wasn't sure. I got whipped along with it. It had been all my adult life, from the age of 18 to 24, it's all I'd known, known. But I wasn't sure. And it was just what I needed to have a conversation with my then fiancé to say, I'm not sure about this. And we, we separated. And although it was my choice, you got to know after a six-year relationship all my adult life, I was hurting. And there was this guy called Simon who was in the church I was in at the time, and he, he could see what was going on. He said, Barry, let's go for a walk. And uh, he took me for a walk up to Frinton, lovely beach at Frinton. And we found a stone. He said, Barry, I want you to pick up that stone, and I want you to throw it out into the sea. And I want you to picture that's the relationship. If God wants you to have that relationship back, it will come back in. But if he doesn't, you can let it go and know he's got you. And it was a bit of a symbol, but I did it. And I've met, here I am, all these years later, I've remembered it. And I believe Jesus stepped into my neighborhood through Simon. Initially through my own parents who were willing. Imagine how hard that was for them to approach me, literally, just before I was going to get married. The invites were out. It was very public. And say, so, are you sure? Round of applause for my parents. Because here's the thing, had they not done that, we wouldn't be sat in this room now. Because I couldn't have led a church with her. Praise God for Sarah. Yeah. And here's what I want to say to you. You see, God is the creator of heaven and earth. And so therefore he is not subject to creation. When we think, we think about time. And here I was going through this, this time with my ex-fiancé thinking, oh, Dear me. But Jesus lives outside of time. He knew all along Sarah was on her way. I didn't because I live in time. But Jesus lives outside of time. So although I was going through some pain, he was setting me up for the better. 
And maybe that will help someone today. Maybe you've been going through some pain recently. But I know this, if you're in relationship with Jesus, he's only setting you up for something better. And here she is, my better. So blessed to have my wife. So, so good. Jesus wants to step into your neighborhood today, if you'll let him. I believe everyone in here could do with a bit more Jesus in your life. And he's willing to get his hands grimy with all the stuff you've been going through because he loves you and because he thinks you're brilliant. Here's one of his mission statements in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love that. You see, he can see people. He said, this is my mission. And all of heaven's empowered me for this mission. The spirit of God's on me. I'm going to set people free. Those who are oppressed and struggling. I'm going to set them free. I'm going to help people see physically blindness coming to sight. But also for us to see differently. But I love that at the end. And it's for a purpose. And I proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the year of the Lord's favor is the Jubilee year. The 50th year. And in that Jubilee year, all your debt is forgiven. How good's that? Imagine your mortgage in the Jubilee year. God just says, don't pay that anymore. How much are we loving God then? They used to give family members a way to serve to pay off a debt. And on the Jubilee year, the family members were given back. Everything was repaid. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to set you free because I want you to live, not for one jubilee year, but I want you to live in jubilee. All your debts paid. You are forgiven. Run free now. Go and live your life. Jesus came to set us free for something better. He's always taking us somewhere. So if you're hurting, he's got a good plan for you. If you're struggling, he's leading you somewhere better. There is God's favor is coming your way. He sees your rejection. He sees your struggle. He sees your suffering. He sees your health situation. He sees the heaviness you've been carrying. He sees the pressure you've been under. He sees your disappointment. But he's willing to walk with you. All through God's word, there's this theme. And Psalm 23, I think, through lockdown was so, so helpful, wasn't it? And look at this same theme here in in Psalm 23, 4 and 5. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because you're with me. There he is again, right in the midst of it all. Here I am getting my hands dirty with your grime. I will be with you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. How cool is that? It's not just that you're with me in it. You're taking me somewhere good. And the whole idea is there will be people in your world that judge you. And God's going to say, I'm going to lift you up. And all those who judge you are going to look at you and go, oh, that panned out well. Yes, it did. Why? Because Jesus was with me. And he loves you. He says he's going to anoint your head with oil and your cup will overflow. Well, I don't know what overflow means to you, but to me it means more than enough. I want to be living in a state of overflow so that, you know, financially I'm in overflow. So if I see a need, I can bless some people with it. In my health, I want to be in overflow so I can do a little bit more with my time and my energy. I want overflow. And that's what Jesus says. I'm stepping into your neighborhood to take you to a place of overflow. Let's unpack it a little bit more. Have a look here in Romans 12 and verses 6 through 8. It says this, We have different gifts. You, 
church, have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. These are great gifts, aren't they? If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And right there is the one I want to home in on today. Mercy. Who knew that mercy was a gift of the Spirit? And mercy, when you think about mercy, if I was to say to you, what do you think it means? Most people would probably say, well, it's, it's linked with forgiveness. If I was to say to you, oh, have mercy on me, I'd want your forgiveness, wouldn't I? And that's true and that's right. But mercy is a much bigger word than that. How about this as a definition of mercy? Love that responds to need in compassionate ways. Love that responds to need in compassionate ways. It's having mercy on someone else's situation. I have the ability to help you. So rather than leave you there, I'm going to have mercy. I'm going to step in with compassion and bring you out of that. What? Imagine that. The Holy Spirit empowering his church with mercy. To step into someone else's issue, willing to get our hands grimy, just like Jesus did, to pull someone out and say, go and live a better life. Come on, we can do this together. This reflects Jesus. You know, if, if someone you love is hurting, it's really hard to ignore it. If your dad is hurting, if your daughter is hurting, if your husband is hurting, if your boyfriend's hurting, don't just ignore it. It matters to you. And you find yourself compelled to act. And this is where I want to bring in my story about my dad. I was reflecting on things to say here, and I've been preaching now for 16 years, and I think you've heard all my stories, but I've, I've rumbled up another one. I was about 10 years old, and we lived in this street back in Chelmsford we lived, and at the end of our street there was a big park, and I used to go out with their mates and we'd kick a ball around, you know, mum and dad had to come and fire me after dark, come on son, it's time to come in, just one more minute, you know, those were the days before iPads, obviously. And um, we'd run around for ages. And then there was this one time when this lad who was two or three years older than me just started picking on me. And I think he bashed me one time. And I came home and, you know, I didn't really say much. But my dad could sense I wasn't all right. And he said, what is it? I said, oh, this lad over the park, he's bullying me a little bit. Well, when dad hears his son's struggling, dad can't ignore it. Because he carries a spirit of mercy for his son. You're struggling, you're hurting, I'm going to do something about it. Dad goes out of the house struts down the road it's about a hundred meter walk but dad was steaming he gets to the end and this lad unfortunately for the lad was still there he went up to the lad grabbed him by the ear gave it a little swizzle and then walked him this is true isn't it dad walked him all the way back to our house about a hundred with a twisted ear brought him into my house where i'm feeling like oh this is a bit awkward and he said, did you bully my son? He said, oh, no. Did he bully you, son? Well, yeah. Did you bully my son? Well, yeah, a little bit. Don't do it again, otherwise I'll come and find you and we'll have another episode. Okay, goodbye. Round of applause my dad. <laughs> you see, because dad loved me and he could see he was struggling, he was forced, he was compelled to act. And I want to pray over us as a group of people that we would learn to walk with a spiritually empowered gift of mercy so that when we see people, we can't just walk by and have sympathy and go, oh, they're there. But we are compelled to act. 
we are compelled to step in just like Jesus would step in. You know, Dad responded because I'm his son and he loves me. Well, every person out there is a potential son or daughter of God, so therefore they are potentially our family. So could you step in? Could you picture that grimy hand and say, Lord, I want a grimy hand like you. Just give me someone to step in. And I'm going to believe you're going to get an opportunity. And as a church, we're going to get story after story after story where we stepped in and helped someone. And we'll look back and we may not physically have dirty hands, but spiritually we'll have dirty hands. Because we've got involved. Are, are you hearing me? Yeah. Have you ever had the call when someone you love has been taken to hospital? What would you do? You know, I'll get a call. Josh has been taken to hospital. Never happens. Never going to happen. But if it did, what would I do? I'd put the phone down. I'd get straight in the car. I wouldn't care what is going on. I'd be there, wouldn't you? You'd go. You'd go because you'd want to be there to love him. You'd want to be there to support him. And you'd want to be there. You'd want to play your small part in his healing journey. You'd just have to go. You'd be compelled to go. Well, could we feel like that about everyone? I believe a spirit-empowered gift of mercy is actually going into a level where it's beyond what is normal for us, for human beings, and stepped into what's normal for God. That's when it's spirit-empowered, because it's not my effort, I'm able to walk in his effort. And suddenly it's a different level of mercy. And I want that, that gift of mercy, wow! What could it look like around here if a whole church functioned like that? What could your street look like if you functioned like that? The word tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. How about we eagerly desire that one as a church and bring change? You know, as equippers, we have values and we wrap them in the acronym HEART. H for honour, E for excellence, A for advancement, R for reaching out, and T for together they are our values wrapped up. And I think you look at yourself and you think, well, R reaching out, what could that look like in this time? And with all the different opportunities that are around us, could we be people who say, God, just give us opportunity to reach out. And as we reach out, we want to do it with a spiritually empowered gift of mercy. To get our hands dirty with someone else's grime, to lift them out and put them on a path that's better for them. So they could dream again. Come on, I want to be a church that's known for some of those kind of things. God wants his church to be known for some of those kind of things. What could reaching out to this school looks like? We've had so much favour here, you know. I found out loads of places when we realised we could start meeting again and everyone's so cautious about who they'll let in and who they won't. Well, this school just said, yep. Um, Jess Beals, I think, is leading the children today. She works here. And um, there's the, the head teacher here is called Belinda. Remember that name. Pray for Belinda. Will you commit to pray for Belinda? Genuinely. Don't just give me lip service. Yes, no, we all pray for Belinda. No, will you really pray for Belinda? We've got favour. This is a God-opened door. So if he's going to position his church here, what difference could we make? If we carry the gift of mercy, imagine all the kids that come here to study. Could we make a difference? Imagine the teaching staff. Wouldn't it be great, and there's some teachers in the room, if a church met in your school, and then at the end of it, you know, you just felt so blessed that they were there, leaving it as we found it. I know some of the kids might be writing little thank you notes to the teacher. Thanks for letting us use your classroom. Could we find out what the prayer needs are? I don't know, just let your mind start resting through with it. What about the other stuff? The caretaker is brilliant. He can't do enough for us. I think he wanted to pay us to come here. <laughs> Best bloke ever. But my point is God's given us this. 
So what could we do with it? What about this estate? We're literally on an estate. We haven't been on an estate for years. Brilliant people living on this estate. How about our influencer theme this year? Shine our light brightly. How about shining it from here so the estate gets touched? I bet there's some old people on the estate who are lonely. I bet there's some old people on the estate who have never done their garden up. I bet there's some, some single parents on the estate who are really stressed and struggling. I bet there's all kinds of dynamics going on there. And yet here we are saying, God, give us a spirit of mercy. And that requires action. So I'm hoping that you'll start looking for opportunities. And as a church, we'll start looking for opportunities. Years ago, we had what we called the action group. I think there's a picture or two to come up. Um, here we are. This, this was our action. I reckon this is about nine years ago. Some people, you might recognize some here. Who have we got? Here's big Jermaine, look. Here's Uncle Dan, look. look. He don't look any different, does he? There's Pastor Barry, look, there he is, look. Better looking now, though. There's Becca. Nine years ago, we used to go out and we found people whose gardens were an absolute mess. And we said, well, come and help you. Because you know when your garden gets to the point where it's so bad you don't know where to start? Well, that's what these people have got to. So we took in, I don't know, look, look at us there, passing all the stuff. This garden, and I'm going to tell you the truth here, that she had two Rottweiler dogs. There was very large dog turds in the garden and lots of them. Basically, if you walked away from that and didn't have dog turd on you, you probably didn't join in. It was massive. In fact, they might be passing one along there. <laughs> but how good, how good for a gang of people in church, not just to say we're going to pray for you, but to say we're going to get stuck in and get our hands dirty for you. And absolutely, we should pray for people. Absolutely. But some people need to see something. And here we were. I'd love to do that again. 50 years old now, but do you know what? I'd sling some turd for someone. <laughs> Get involved. Get your hands dirty. If it, if it blessed... If it, I've gone too far, haven't I? <laughs> Week one. Week one. I've gone past the line. I've gone so far, the line is a dot to me. That was our action group. I wonder if someone could get a vision... For something like that. Maybe God could give you a vision, a new vision for this time. But could we be a church that is prepared to get our hands dirty? To bless someone else. I believe some of our greatest spiritual moments are actually when we put the heart of God on display. In doing someone's garden, you'd think, oh, that's not very spiritual. But we walked away from that and lots of things had happened. Firstly, we got to know each other. Here we are with our masks on. Imagine standing next to each other doing someone's garden up going to visit some person who's lonely and having a cup of coffee. You get to know each other. It's good. It becomes family. But in putting the heart of God on display, you feel the heart of God more. And so if you want to feel the heart of God more, one good thing you could do is get involved in showing someone some mercy because it's in that place you feel the heart of God. I got reading around Mother Teresa because she's very famous for this kind of stuff. Long story short, she basically set out a, a gang of nuns. Is it a gang of nuns? A ga gaggle of nuns? A gaggle of nuns? A bunch of nuns, she, she sends them out and they go and they care for people that the rest of the world's forgotten. Often they're in their dying moment, but they go seven days a week and they're there. With an arm around, with some medicine, with some care, with some water, with some food. Because their feeling is, everyone else might have forgotten you, but God has not forgotten you. And he has sent me carrying his heart to sit with you in your darkest hour. 
And this is what she said. She got, she got a Nobel Peace Prize, Mother Teresa. I'm sure you know this. But this is what she said when she received it. Let me read it to you. This is her actual quote. We may be doing social care in the eyes of people, but we are really touching the body of Christ every day. We are constantly in his presence. Love that. See, having mercy, willing to get your hands dirty with someone else's grime, allows you to be in the presence of God permanently because that's always been his heartbeat. God so loved the world that he sent his son. Didn't stand afar and go, I hope it works out for you guys, thinking of you. He stepped in, got his hands dirty, pulled people out of struggle, set them on a path of hope. And in the process, they could feel his heartbeat. I want to feel his heartbeat closer. And I believe in this new season, this is part of the mandate on our church. Not the only mandate, but part of the mandate on our church to be mercy carriers and to step into someone else's world. And we've got great opportunity here in the school and here on the estate. And if you're going to carry that, you'll carry that into your workplace, into the street you live in, into your social world. You can't be one person here and one person there. You need to be the same everywhere. God's going to give you opportunity. It would be great if we could have a musician. Matt, Matt is our worship team leader, many of you will know. And uh, Matt and Jess have had the awesome Eliza. And uh, we have a little WhatsApp group. And at 7 o'clock this morning, I was getting WhatsApps from Matt saying, uh, at the end of the preach, do you know you like to me to come up and tinkle? Well, he said, I may be feeding Eliza at that moment, so I'm not sure how it's going to look. So can Io get on the stage and tinkle? Jesus wants to step into your personal neighborhood if you'll let him. And sometimes we just got to be so honest with ourselves to say, yeah, I'm, I'm okay, but there's something that's just been holding me. Jesus wants to get his hands dirty with that something that's holding you. And if you'll let him, he wants to do that today. Because he wants to, you to leave this meeting better than the way you came in. And Jesus wants to heal us up and set us free from our stuff so that he can use us to heal others up and set them free from their stuff better. And if you're on the process of that, that doesn't mean you can't help someone else because you absolutely can. But the freer you are, the easier it becomes. And so how about even in this moment, we say, Lord, have mercy on us. And then, Lord, let me have mercy on others because that's his heartbeat right now. Would you give him permission? Would you choose to allow him to be the center of your world? Not someone you know about, but someone you know. In this time, could we be intentional about receiving and revealing the heart of Jesus? Because he wants to reconnect with us as a church. He wants to reconnect with you as an individual. And he wants us to come together and show what the heart of mercy looks like because it's a new season so would you stand to your feet I'd love to pray for you